Burns and Gambo. Big Red Reacts. Reaction to yesterday's Cardinals game. Brought to you by Wicopa Casino Resort, where world-class action meets four diamond splendor. All right, Gambo, you ready to relive the big moments of... <laughs> I wish you could see the look on his face right now. <laughs> Reliving losses. Uh, well, we've done that now the eighth time yeah. this year, so let's let's get to it. James Conner, big day for him yesterday. Unfortunately, the first play we have to play from him is the time he put the ball on the turf. Takes the snap. Hand off Connor running left. Another hole. 45. And up to midfield. Fumble the ball, though. And it's recovered by the Chargers in Cardinal territory at the 48-yard line. There is a penalty marker down. It was recovered by Sebastian Joseph Day. I, I, I thought about this when I, when I saw five Chargers players all surrounding James Conner. Anybody on the Cardinals want to block a second level? <laughs> like, anybody want to get down there and help? Like, you know, I mean, he's surrounded by five guys all trying to strip the ball from him, man. It'd be nice if an offensive lineman actually got to the second level and blocked. He ran so well yesterday. He ran so well early in that game, but that was an early miscue. Fortunately for the Cardinals, Chargers couldn't do anything with it. They punted after the fumble recovery. Next position for the Cardinals, and they got down to business with their offense. A Robbie Anderson sighting, a 17-yard catch. Yeah, I know. Who's he? I know. It led to this beautiful catch from DeAndre Hopkins. Chargers showing blitz. They back off. Murray back to pass. Flag down. Pass over the middle. Caught at the 20 and a broken tackle. Hop is loose at the 10, at the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. This will likely stand. It looked like the Chargers were offside. Again, Murray getting rid of it quickly, being decisive, and letting his playmaker do the rest. A 34-yard catch and run for a score by Hop. Lined up, trips left. He was in the slot. Yep. So inside guy in the slot. Trips left, spun off of J.T. Woods, made him look silly on that, went into the end zone. Great play by DeAndre Hopkins. 7-0 Cardinals. They would later take a 10-0 lead on a 43-yard field goal by Matt Prater. The Chargers would then get to work on getting on the board. A possession, one of two turnovers that were ultimately overturned by the referees. Takes the snap. Play action again. Herbert throws over the middle. Caught by Palmer in Cardinal territory at the 40. Bubble the ball. It's loose, but recovery. It looks like by the Chargers at the 38-yard line. Ball was coming out. The play, the ruling on the field has been changed to a fumble recovered by the offense, number 83. It'll be Los Angeles's ball, first and 10. Okay. Please set the game clock to 12 minutes, please. Mullen had, Trayvon Mullen had just come into the game at that point. Mm-hmm. Makes that play, right? The fumble. Looks like he had just come in for, I think it was Marco Wilson. Came in for somebody. And then it looked like Hamilton. He ha- it was Hamilton. It was Hamilton. That's right. It was Hamilton. Came in for Hamilton. Looked like he recovered it, but they ended up saying that Bandy recovered it instead. And I actually, it's crazy. I think it was the right call. I, I, it, looking back on it and looking at it in real time and then the replay, I, I think they got that one right. So the Chargers would maintain possession and it would lead to this. Keenan Allen touch. Touchdown catch. Allen in motion right to left. Snap to Herbert. Going to throw to Allen left side. Caught for a touchdown. Keenan Allen's first touchdown of the season. Only 11 catches on the year coming in because of injuries. He's back. 
And comes through to get the Chargers on the board with 8.51 to go in the half. 10-6, Arizona. How late was Trayvon Mullen getting to that side of the field on that? How Very, late was he? Yeah. Like, make, run faster. <laughs> Trayvon, <laughs> run faster. <laughs> the next play we're going to play it was part of a two-play sequence that made a lot of Cardinal fans very upset. A third and one in which Kyler Murray ran for it, gained like a foot, and then a fourth and one in which they decided to go to it, which caused Kyler Murray to curse after the game over how the play was run and what happened. This fourth and one here with Derwin James picking off the Kyler Murray pass. Snap to Kyler. And he's back to throw left side. Throws a deep ball left side, and it's intercepted at the 42-yard line by Derwin James. Schematically, they we were kind of bleeped, Kyler said after that play. How do you why not just hand it to James Connor on third or fourth and one? Third and one, you fake it to Connor. He keeps it. Mac makes the tackle. Okay, I could live with Kyler trying to get the first down. Then I want to give it on fourth down. I want to give it to James Conner. They decide to go for it. Their own thirty-four yard line. Um, but again, like if you look at the pass, he just lofted it short. I yeah. mean, he just threw it short. Threw it off his back foot. Lofted right. it short. The, the yeah. whole, whole play was a mess, and it led to this. After Herbert drops back to pass, blitz coming. Herbert steps away from it to his left side, arms it downfield, caught at the ten, far side by Carter into the end zone for the touchdown. Boy, Justin Herbert makes an incredible play that time, and the Chargers take the lead, 13-10 with 4.28 to go in the half. Blitz to Marco Wilson on that play. And then they had, he got behind Thompson and Simmons for that touchdown. Just got behind both of those guys. Yep, but the Cardinals would rally. Uh, they're down 17, 14, or they're down 14-10 at this point. Kyler Murray led them on a nice drive, and he finished it off with his first rushing touchdown since week four. Snap to Kyler, back to throw. Now backing up, moving to his left. Going to tuck and run at the five, and Murray into the end zone. Touchdown! Again, Kyler Murray using his legs to escape the pocket, and the Cardinals retake the lead with 12 seconds to go in the first half. Yeah, that was a big play right there for them, and I felt really good going into halftime with that. Ran about 16 yards total for that five-yard touchdown because he had dropped back all the way to the 16-yard line. Like that Hollywood Brown put a nice block two in there to help him get into the end zone. 14-play, 75-yard drive. We don't normally play these, but it ended up having an impact on the game. Coming out of the locker room to start the second half, Matt Prater lining up for a 49-yard field goal. On the near hash mark, snap, spot, kick from Prater is up, has plenty of leg, and the kick is... Is no good. He missed it. Big play right there. You know, you come out halftime, you have the ball, 25-yard line. You know, you have a nice 20-yard run by Connor. You're, you're in a position there you, to get a field goal, get some points on the board, and they failed. They did. So the missed field goal, we followed up by a Chargers 26-yard field goal. Nice red zone stop by the Cardinals defense. We're tied at 17. The Cardinals would take the lead. James Connor out from six yards. Snap to Murray. Drops back to pass. Looks right. Throws short right. Caught by Connor, and he dives into the end zone for a touchdown. He broke a tackle at the two and then dove for Pater, and the Cardinals are back in front, 23-17. to Good drive. 29-yard pass to Hopkins on that drive. There was a third and seven play when I got the ball to Corey Clement for a first down. They converted a third and one with James Conner. So just a good drive overall. Ends up in a touchdown. They're up by seven. Yeah, they're up by seven. Now we're into the fourth quarter. There's about 11 minutes left in the game. The Cardinals can get in that mode where they can just extend some drives. They could ice this game, but they weren't able to do it. After Chargers punt, the Cardinals, their first of three straight three and outs. 
The next Chargers possession, here is turnover number two that was taken away. Shotgun snap to Herbert, straight drop back. Steps up in the pocket, fires left side, and a diving interception made by Zayvon Collins at the 45. Gets up and runs to the 40, to the 35, and tackled there. Zayvon Collins with a huge play, and the Cardinals in business now, already leading by seven. After further review, it's an incomplete pass. The Arizona defender did not have control of the ball when it hit the ground. Okay. Based on the rule of the law, that was an incomplete. Because you can see the ball rolling around down there. Yeah, I think Allen tipped it at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that would have been big on third and 13. Now, you know, for the for the, for the Cardinals, field position with, with the interception would have been better. Instead, they end up getting the ball. They still got the ball back because the Chargers failed on. Uh, because the Chargers had to punt it. Chargers punted it. Cardinals got the ball back. That was the drop by Trey McBride on third down. We don't have the play call for it, but that was a huge play in yesterday's game. Ball went right through his hands on that third right down. Right through his hands. Chargers get the ball back again. I thought this was the play that ended the game in the moment. Herbert didn't snap the ball. Now he does. Back to throw in trouble. Pressure in his face. Simmons has him and sacks him. Back at the 47-yard line. A loss of about 20. Don't know what Justin Herbert was doing. Now they're in a situation where they have to punt the ball. They can't go for it on fourth down and 23. I thought that was the ball game I right there. I thought it was too because you know, they, they, they were they were going to be at the 35. Instead, they, they punted at the Arizona 48. Cardinals get the ball back. Two minutes and 19 seconds left. All you got to do is get a couple of first downs, and, and this game is over. That's yep. it. Just get a couple of first downs, and the ball game is over. 31-second possession by the Cardinals. They punt. The Chargers get the ball back. And after a penalty on the punt, they start the drive from the Cardinals' 38-yard line. It didn't take them long at all for this to happen. Herbert takes the snap. Play fake, boot to the right. Herbert being chased, throws right, caught by Eckler. He hits the pylon, touchdown. He hit the pylon as he was getting tackled by Isaiah Simmons with 12 seconds left. It is a touchdown because the ball hit the pylon in possession of Eckler, and now an extra point away from tying the game. I hate to play a few plays earlier. Third and seven, screen pass to Eckler for 10, 10 yards at yeah. a first down. That play irked me to no end. Yeah, and of course, we know Brandon Staley decided they were there to win the game, so why not win it right now? Herbert waiting. Takes the shotgun snap. Back to throw. Fires to the right. Caught by Everett for two points in the end zone. They put Eckler in motion. Simmons totally bit on it, and it left the middle of the field wide open for Gerald just, Everett. It, 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 and that, that is a, a Zach Ertz play. They took that out of Philadelphia with Zach Ertz, so he's probably very familiar with that one. Yeah, it was. And that's was your Big Red Reacts. Cardinals lose 25-24 on the two-point conversion at the end of the game. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show, you know what we think of the hire. What are the media, those who grade these things, what do they think of Kenny Dillingham to ASU? You'll hear next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona sports, the local sports leader. For me, we're going to attack the transfer portal. Attack it. Attack it with everything we have. And there's going to be balance. Hopefully in the future, we can attack it a little bit less, and a little bit less, and a little bit less. But there's a lot of kids throughout this country who want to live in Phoenix, Arizona. I believe 48% of our student body is transfers as a whole university. Something along those lines. Because guess what, people? People want to live here. NFL players move here when they retire. I was Kenny Dillingham yesterday. Part of his very passionate 
Uh, acceptance of the ASU job, one that was noted by, I mean, anybody who was watching it, I was watching the live stream yesterday. Boy, he was, and it wasn't fake either. You can just tell that as a local kid growing up here, this job, this program, being its head coach, even at the age of 32, means absolutely everything to him. Whether this is a home run hire for ASU or not, it remains to be seen. And we might honestly not know the answer to that question for another two or three years, depending on the punishment and how long it takes him. To, he's taking this thing from rock bottom right now. They were three and nine this year. They've been gutted by the transfer portal and yeah. the NIL. He's got a big job in front of him, but he is attacking it with the kind of enthusiasm that you would want from a guy who claims this is the job he's always dreamed of having. Yeah, and again, times have changed a lot, so you got to get your hiring quickly because now you've got you know you've got a lot of these other schools that are going to be trying to grab your players through the transfer portal. ASU lost a lot of good players last year, and they could lose a lot of good players this year. And you bet your bottom dollar is going to be schools calling for some of these players on ASU. So you got to re-recruit your players every year. I mean, that's going to be the case every. You got to re-recruit them and and under, make them understand the commitment you have to them, and they have to the program, uh, because if not, and listen, some kids may leave just because, listen, I'm getting offered a lot of money and you can't pay it, so I'm going to leave, and that that happens. I mean, I think that happened with Gentry at USC and several other players uh, that left the program last year. But last year, the program was, like everybody knew, this was going to be Herm's last year. You kind of knew it, whether he was going to get fired or just go out on his own. You knew that that was going to be it. Now you've you got a, a, more of a reason to stay and be a part of the building with Kenny Dillingham. This He's 32 years old, but he's got a, a, a great resume. He's got to get the patience. I think people will understand it's not going to turn around overnight. you got to give him an opportunity. Yep. He kept Sean Iguano on staff, which is good. He said he had a, a Zoom meeting, I think, with all the high school coaches sure yesterday yep. to kind of re-recruit, you know, to not to re-recruit, but just kind of let those coaches know what his plan's going to be. That's good. You want to make sure you, you try to keep some players home and you get in with the coaches. So, so far, I think he's off to a good start. Look, he wants the job. He's he's a good candidate. His age is, you know, maybe a factor to some people, but I didn't think it was much of a factor. It wasn't much of a factor to me. Honestly, given all the circumstances involved, if we're just being honest, it's probably, and this is, I don't mean this to sound as negative as it's going to come out. It's probably the best they could have done under the circumstances. I don't, I don't disagree you, you know with what I mean? you. And, they, and yeah. that, that kind of makes it sound like they were picking from the bargain bin, and I don't want to make it sound like that because that's not what this is. I, I just think given the uncertainty of what they're facing, how low the program has hit, the sanctions that are undoubtedly coming at some point, I, I, I don't know if they had an overwhelming amount of people who would have been this enthusiastic about taking on a job that's going to frankly present some challenges. And I think the key word that you mentioned there that's the most important is patience. I mean, this is, and I think like Herm came in, all right, and it was all get on the train, NFL model, new leadership model, top three, top 15 every year, blah, blah, blah. But you were writing checks your your program couldn't cash, right? You just, you just were. You, you were setting the bar way too high and to expect that it was going to be like that that quick. I don't think anyone's doing that under Kenny, Kenny Dillingham. I, I think yesterday, I think Ray Anderson mentioned once about how that's still the standard, but I do think there's an understanding now the program as a whole needs to step back and really take its time and not come out and just start writing checks that is a program they can't cash. And, and I so, so give it a year or two, and then we'll kind of see where things are at this with this is program. When, when Dirk Cutter took over 
over for Bruce Snyder. He took over a, a six and six ASU team. They were six and six. When Erickson took over for Cutter the year before, they were seven and six under Cutter. Seven and six, Erickson took it over. When Todd Graham took over for Erickson, they had been six and seven the year Erickson got fired. Then Todd Graham took over. And then when Herm took over for Todd Graham, they were seven and six. <laughs> so now you're talking about three and nine. Yeah. Three and nine, like none of these were close. Yeah. And a like, transfer portal was a thing. No transfer and NIL, portal, no NIL wasn't a thing. And, right. and, and, but like the program, every time, like they were mediocre. I mean, if you look at every coaching change since Bruce Snyder, six wins, seven wins. You're not talking about three and nine. Like, yeah, you need to be patient. This program's got a long way to go yeah. before they can be respectable again. And I think that's why the, the general gist of a story that I saw on ESPN.com, they were grading all of the hires that have gone on in college football so far, whether it was Matt Rule to Nebraska. Uh, what did Luke, that get? Uh, that got an A. It got an A. That got an A. It couldn't yeah. have got any better. A minus. They got an A minus. Yeah, um, I, I didn't see the Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. I bet that got a really high grade, too. That surprised a lot of people. A lot of people. People the around Fickle, the industry. Because Fickle's been fickle, frankly, <laughs> about what job he was going to leave for. Yeah. And he made it sound like this this was on a very short list of jobs he'd be willing to leave Cincinnati for. So he's now the new coach of Wisconsin. They gave Kenny Dillingham a B plus. They gave ASU a B plus for the hire. Uh, ASU, it was a group of three writers kind of giving their opinion on this. ASU can have patience. A complete overhaul is needed. They point out sometimes the homecoming hire doesn't always working college football like Scott Frost going to Nebraska, mm. but they point out all the different conferences that he's coached in, SEC, ACC, Pac-12, well-connected with the in-state recruiting season, or, or scene, I should say. His age, yeah, he's a little young, but they don't seem to think that that's going to be a problem. Again, the level of experience that he has. Yeah, as long as he level. surrounds himself with, the right with guys who have experience and who can kind of help him navigate some yeah. of that stuff that he might not be, I mean, for the first time, it's not just, you know, it's it's not just being a head coach for the first time. It's running a program for the first time. That's a big deal, right? There's a well, lot that's of what they sold us on with the whole NFL model with Herm. Like, you know, we're going to run this like an NFL thing. It's going to be this level and that level and this level. And it's look, it backfired. In the end, we all kind of laughed at it and mocked it when they hired a guy who hadn't been in college coaching in 30 years and hadn't coached a game in what was it, seven or eight years. Or maybe it was whatever it was since he was a coach at Kansas City. And you know, But they had this reason to believe that, that that this could work. Well, now you're back to, okay, let's go get a coach. And they, guy, they hired a, a young guy. It's never been a head coach before. It's never been a head coach before. Now, Todd Graham had been a head coach, and Dennis Erickson had been a head coach, and Dirk Cutter, Dirk Cutter had been a head coach, and everybody had been, you know, Herm Edwards had been a head coach in the NFL, so this is a little bit different than what they've done in no. hiring a guy that ha- that has no head coaching experience. Yeah, well, but in some ways, it's, I mean, Herm had been a coach, but in some ways, that's the one thing it does have in common with Herm, is that with Herm, it had been so long since he had been a head coach. It was, hey, you know, not do you remember how to do this, but, you know, it, it's sort of, you know, this things have changed a little bit since you've been a head coach. Are you, are you up to speed? Are you current? Do you know what you're doing? At least with Dillingham, while he might not have ever been a head coach before at this level, he's certainly familiar with the game of college football. And I don't just mean schematically like the X's and O's. I mean the, the NIL game, the, the recruiting yes, game, the transfer yes. portal game, the booster game, the all that game. The stuff that Herm Edwards, frankly, probably didn't have the first 
clue about how it worked. I, I mean, if nothing else, at least give Kenny Dillingham credit for knowing the ASU Sun Devils are devils when Herm Edwards had to be yeah. reminded during his what devils. Now Hold Rubino uh, asked them like, <laughs> "I'm a Christian devils? man." Oh, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> At least you didn't have to play that game with Kenny Dillingham. Goodness gracious, that was yeah. So bad. I mean, listen, um, like you can't. Ray Anderson cannot say that the program is better off now than it was no. when they replaced Todd Graham with Herm Edwards because they're, they're three, they're three and nine. Okay, worst season since nineteen forty six. You just lost your rivalry game to U of A. It's just you know, it's a mess. I mean, it's in a really bad spot. So that's why I think you'll get the patience if you're Kenny Dillingham because it's gonna. You, you have to. You have to give him yeah. time to get this turned around. If you know a high school student with great character deserving of a $10,000 scholarship. We want to hear about them and how they make an impact on our community. Text the word character to 62620. Share their story. Text the word character to 62620. So, are things now copacetic between Cliff and Kyler? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Big Red Monday and Burns and Gambo on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Snap to Kyler, and he's back to throw left side. Throws a deep ball left side, and it's intercepted at the 42-yard line by Derwin James. Not sure I agree with the decision there to throw the ball down the field, but at least because James intercepted it, it actually works out better for you. Instead of getting stuffed on your 34, the Chargers take over around their 42. Cardinals lose yesterday 25-24 to the Chargers to fall to 4-8 and eight on the season. They now go into their bye week. We said it before, we'll say it again, that if ever there were going to be an in-season move with Cliff Kingsbury, today probably would have been the day, and obviously it didn't happen. I don't think either one of us are surprised that it didn't, though I know the fan base continues to be kind of restless when it comes to Cliff in the future and what's going to happen. And of course, Sean Payton looms after last week's report right before the Thanksgiving week that the Cardinals might be a job. He's potentially got an eye on, assuming that it's open. There was another really interesting story, and I'm I'm curious to see how much you were thinking about this story when watching yesterday's game. There was a story that came out over the weekend that while Kyler was out for those two games, he and Cliff worked on their relationship. And the exact quote from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, quote, before he was injured, things got a little tense between him and Cliff Kingsbury. My understanding is that during the time away, During that break, the two sat down, hashed out some differences, worked on their communication, and came up with a plan going forward to get on the same page down the stretch. Close quote. It's good. Can't be much of a surprise given the calm, the bleep down, you know, that we saw from Kyler a few weeks ago yelling at Cliff on the sideline. A couple times been caught on camera yelling at Cliff over there. It did seem as if the tension had been ratcheted up a little bit. Did you think about that at all yesterday when you were watching the game and whether you were watching? Watching a newer, more improved relationship between head coach and quarterback as that game unfolded? I mean, honestly, not really. Okay. I mean, not 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 really, because we've seen Kyler also go at Hopkins with that same calm the blank down stuff. And, you know, it's and then two games without Kyler, one you won and one you lost. And it was, you know, we look, Colt McCoy did a great job against the Rams and then against the 49ers. It was they just ran into a buzzsaw. They ran into a really good team that was just better than them. Yeah. 
Um, but the feeling was that maybe Kyler, I think I thought more about what did Kyler learn in the two weeks that he didn't play? Was he able to sit back, watch, learn? Can he get better? There was a lot of talk yesterday about how he was under center quite a bit more. He was under rather, center quite a bit more yesterday. Rather, now, listen, all the big pass plays, and I charted some of that too because, you know, they were still like, you know, he was still in the shotgun. Of like, course. The big pass plays. But getting him under center on some of those plays was good. You know, you wanted to see that. So I think that they did work on some of that because there was a lot of talk about, hey, he's under center a lot more. Yeah. I noticed him under center a few times. I'd like to see a number compared to previous. How many times was he under center this time compared to previous weeks? But it did seem like he was under center more. And so maybe they worked on some things to try to get more out of Kyler Murray in this game. Maybe. I mean, it was, I don't know the number and I'm sure somewhere I could go to a website and find the number. I, I, I don't know what it is, but it was obvious to me that it was more certainly. In fact, even in game, you think about that big fourth and one where Kyler threw the interception and why isn't James Conner getting the ball there? They are in shotgun. I hate fourth and nothing when you're in shotgun. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Well, the next time later in the game when they were presented with third and one, not only did they hand the ball to James Conner, Kyler was under center, right? It was a very different kind of look for them. It wasn't, okay, third and one, we're in shotgun. We've only got a half yard to gain. Let's let's do something fancy here. No, let's keep it simple. Let's boil this down to its basic. Let's take a running back that the Chargers have had a problem stopping all day. Let's give them the ball and have them pick up four yards, which is what happened. They ended up scoring a touchdown that drive, you know? Listen, a lot of times coaches... They wear out their welcome when they just can't get through to players anymore. And it doesn't have to be just Kyler. It could be the whole team. But there's, there comes a point where you're like, this guy can only take you so far. And it's possible that Cliff Kingsbury was the type of coach that was able to get the Cardinals from a really bad three-win team to a very mediocre team that, you know, that could, you know, win somewhere between six and nine games every year. But he can't get them over the hump. Now, for Kyler, here's your first coach, and you're going to learn from him. And, you know, you, they were supposed to be an extension of each other. You may get to the point with the end of the season where you just feel like, look, not for nothing, but for the good, for the betterment of Kyler Murray's development, you got to bring somebody else in here that he would res- – look – there's no way that Kyler Murray is going to go to Sean Payton and become the blank down. Oh, no. Like, that's not going no. to happen. That ain't going to work with Sean Payton. So that's like the thing. You know, you, you, okay, how about you come down on the bench? Because I won't play you. I won't play you. Like, so it may have to be that you have to change the coach for the betterment of Kyler's development. It's possible. And, and I was thinking about that when I read the story because I was thinking about Cliff knowing that even though he's got the contract extension in his back pocket financially, I'm sure he's going to be fine. Knowing that if he really wants to keep this job long term, being on the same page with Kyler Murray is a very, very, very important part of that. Maybe the most important part of it, because specifically that's what Cliff is here to do, right? I mean, he's here to coach a football team, mm-hmm. but he's also here to design an offense around this franchise quarterback who's not going anywhere. So what's the best way to do that? All right. Let's take a couple weeks and let's figure out what I'm doing that you don't like. I can tell you what you're doing that I don't like because we both need each other to make this thing work. Now, Cliff probably needs Kyler more than Kyler needs Cliff because Kyler's going to be here and we don't know for sure whether Cliff is or not. 100%. But Cliff needs like, okay, Kyler, we need to work better together. I need you to not shout at me on national TV, and I'll admit, I need to get plays in faster so you can do what you want to do. We need this to be a mutually beneficial relationship, and it kind of feels like we've slid off that road a little bit the last few weeks. Let's kind of slide it back on, because right now we're entering this. I mean, look, and it's not just Cliff. 
the last two weeks, there are people in the fan base, there are people on this radio station who wanted to see Colt McCoy quarterback over Kyler Murray. You don't think Kyler's here in some of that, too? You don't think Kyler saw... I thought Colt was the best right, option Right, that's 49ers. what I'm saying. You don't think Kyler heard some of the noise about Colt and whether he should be taking snaps or whether... So they both needed to get a little bit more out of the... Now, both of them are saying, you know, yeah, we're fine, everything's okay. Okay, but, let me ask you something. Go ahead. Do you think there's any way that Kyler Murray would go to management or even ownership right now and say, listen, Cliff's got to be the Cliff's the guy. Got to keep Cliff. I hear a lot of stuff about Cliff. He's got to be the guy. This, he's best for me. This is I need Cliff. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because a lot of times when, I, a, I when, a, when a franchise player doesn't say anything, that speaks volumes. Yeah. That speaks volumes. At some point, Kyler Murray needs to be asked, do you still believe in Cliff? Do you want Cliff to be the coach here next year? Do you, you know, sometimes, silent, like I said, silence can, can mean a lot. Sure. You know, would he, would Kyler go to bat for Cliff? If Cliff's job was on the line, would Kyler go to bat and say, and this, this is the right guy? Like, don't, you know? I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Because does Kyler want, in, in the back of his mind, does Kyler need somebody else to push him further? Again, it's not that Cliff, you know, Cliff's schemes and everything are fine, right? They're very concepts, are very similar to what everybody else. I've said this many times, very similar to what everybody else does uh, in the league. But you know, it's it's are you a leader? Is Cliff a leader? Is Cliff a leader? Mm-hmm. And when you're down, this is when you really find out. When you're four and eight, and you guys, you're not going to the playoffs, and this is when you find out. And Cliff is in, on hard knocks. You'll hear all the "We got to stay together. We got to stay together. We got to flush this. We got to stay together." We'll find out if you stay together or not. Because well, and, and if you got five games left, if you, if you can go four and one or even three and two, you might show ownership that I, these guys are still fighting for me. Because that's what it comes. Cliff's job to me comes down to whether these guys are going to fight for and, him or not. On that topic. I didn't think the team quit on him yesterday. They didn't do their job very well at the end during those three straight three and outs. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I thought they played with the necessary energy to win a football game. What do you take out of Kylo's comment? Schematically, we were blank. I think he was talking about a very specific play. I, I think that comment is being by used by some, especially in the national media, to suggest that maybe he was talking about the general state of the Cardinals. Anybody who was in that room knows that Kyler Murray was talking about a very specific moment in the game and a very specific play. And I think any attempt to use that comment as a broader picture of what he thinks about Cliff or the offense is not only a mistake, it's irresponsible. Because that's just not how he meant it. That's not how the context in which he said it. That's what I think. Okay. That's what I think about that. You might be right. When we come back, a former Cardinals head coach has now matched his win total with the Cardinals in far fewer games. That and everything else about Week 12 in the NFL next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Big Red Monday and Burns and Gambo on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Three wins with the Arizona Cardinals. His one year as the head coach here. He's got three wins, albeit in half as many games as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And the Carolina Panthers, crazy as it may be, 
Maybe they can still win that South for as bad as it is. Who knows? They got a win yesterday against the Denver Broncos. Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes. There's a lot going on in that Broncos game. But the Panthers are 3-4 and four under Wilkes. 3-4. and four. They're not playing like one of the worst franchises in the league. They fire Matt Rule. They give the job to Wilkes. He's had three different quarterbacks, yeah. for goodness sakes. He's had three different starting quarterbacks. He's 3-4. and four. So they're talking about how impressive he's been as an interim coach. But he started Sam Darnold. Darnold had a pretty good game. Carolina had 349 yards of offense. Their defense was really good in that game. And, you know, they may be rebuilding right now. And But they may look at Steve Wilkes and say, you know what, this may be our guy. And he got five blown out of Arizona after one year. And he's doing a really good job with the Carolina Panthers it's right now. It's insane to think that at 4-8, and eight, they're only a game and a half first in the Well, Tampa, Tampa Bay lost yesterday. Yeah, Atlanta lost yesterday. Atlanta lost. The Saints Bucks lost are, yesterday. God, the Bucks are just terrible. Oh, the Bucks are they're, yeah, just but they're, terrible. But they're in first place. They're in first place. And Tristan Wirth sounds like he's going to be out, I think, for three to four Huge. weeks. So it's right. the first time in Tom Brady's career that he lost a game where they had a seven-point lead with a minute to go. Never had he was like two hundred and eighteen wins and no losses until yesterday. Is that crazy? Yeah, it's nuts. It's it's I mean that's the most Tom Brady stat ever because you just figure him a lead, you know, even if they blow it, he seems to find a way. Plus he had a chance to tie, I think, um Drew Brees for the most overtime wins in the history of the NFL and he couldn't do it. So yeah, I mean Steve Wilkes is is getting it done in Carolina. Now, is he gonna be the long term guy there? Probably not. But why but not? If he, why not? If, oh, if, if the play, if he's only here's the only reason why. Okay. Here's the only reason why. Their their owner is a gazillionaire, and he's he inherited Matt Rule, and he might be looking to make a big splash as a higher a coach. That's the only reason I can think why not is that he. This is I believe David Tepper's like first opportunity to go get to hire a head coach, and he's got money to burn. And so he might. We were talking about this with Tim Ring when you were gone last week. You know, a guy like Sean Payton has. It's been identified the Chargers and the Cardinals as two teams that maybe he'd go to. Carolina could come in and give Sean Payton a blank check. Okay, what if he come be my coach? They have no quarterback. No, no quarterback. Well, no, and Peyton, that might be I, a factor in Peyton's decision, right. but but you can you can buy your way out of that if you're David Tepper. Oh, we don't have a quarterback. Sorry, how would you like an extra five million dollars a year to be my head coach? You know, like I, I think you can buy your way out of that if you're a really wealthy owner. Yeah, and, and I don't know if other teams can. You know, I think it's hard to not reward somebody that's done a really good job, and that's going to be the hard. That's going to be for the Panthers. They're going to have a difficult time depending on how the season ends. But if Steve Wilkes wins games and the, and the players respect him and he does a good job and you know look he came in he got rid of Robbie Anderson right away and it might be like you could say hey I'm going to go after Sean Payton if I don't get him then Wilkes is going to get the job but I'm not going to like if I don't get Sean Payton I'm not just going to hire somebody else for the sake of hiring somebody because they may like Wilkes they and might. think that he's the guy uh, they, I, I'm, I'm just offering an alternative I get it. theory I get it um, I'm telling you for, I don't know if you were thinking that this is what we were going to talk about here if we start talking about week 12 in the NFL I know it's just the Bears they beat the Jets are seven and four, and Mike White is—I don't know if he can keep it up. I don't. There's there's always that allure of the backup quarterback coming in and doing what the starter can't. But New York fell in love with My Mike f- White in the last forty-eight hours. I I, I have uh, I have eight friends, and we're all in a group chat together. Like total, like 
Yes, that's the only friends I have. And then none of them live here. I don't have any friends. I wish I had friends here. I don't have I any was, friends. I was totally kidding. But it's sad. I have no friends. Nobody, nobody to hang out with. And we're well. the three best friends that anybody could have. I, I wish I had. My friends are still, you know, Frankie and Joey. And that's, that's my, you know, my group. So, um, but then my phone was blown up because a lot of them are Jets fans. They were just blown, you know, the paper today, the New York Post, white gold, Jet strike at Richard quarterback as the new starter shows medal. Look, they soured on Wilson. They soured on oh. Zach Wilson. They, they, they don't, nobody wants him to be. They don't like the kid. He's a cocky SOB. Mike White comes in. He throws three touchdown passes. The Jets roll. He threw for 315 yards. Yep. Like they want, they want Mike White to succeed. They don't want Zach Wilson to be their quarterback in New York. Zach Wilson lost that locker room last weekend. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. And it was, yeah. it was the, the comments he made after the game, not taking responsibility for what happen, not falling on the sword, not accepting his own level of culpability in that. He lost that room and, and Mike White, I don't think he's going to play like that every single week, but if he plays well enough, I just saw a story on Twitter, and I think this is kind of old news, but I just saw it for the first time. I think the Jets just got flexed into Sunday night football for the first time in 11 years. Was that over Kansas City? Yeah, over the Kansas over City the Kansas Broncos City game. game. Over the Chiefs-Broncos game. I'm sure that they were thinking I think about it. I think they're thinking about it. I, I don't know if it's actually happened wow. yet, but a, a top reporter for the league's own website is reporting that Bill's Jets is probably going to take Chiefs Broncos on Sunday Night Football. It's been 11 years since the Jets have been on Sunday Night Football. Uh, but they're 7 and 4. 11 they're, years. 11 years. 2011, I think, was the last time. Wow. Yeah, it's been that long. They've wow. sucked for that long. I know. They've been that irrelevant. The last yeah. time they had a good quarterback was probably Kenny O'Brien. <laughs> you say that. You say it might that. have been Richard Todd. Yeah. If you didn't like Kenny O'Brien, who was part of that famed draft class with Marino and Elway. Yeah. Uh, but Richard Todd and then Kenny O'Brien were both good. Uh, also around the NFL. Jacobs. Jacobs with running room right up the middle. Jacobs is on his way. The Raiders are going to win this game. CBS with the call. Josh Jacobs with the the walk-off to end all walk-offs. It was almost on the 35th anniversary of Bo Jackson romping over the Seattle Seahawks and just running right into the tunnel with Brian Bosworth yeah, chasing Brandon him. Bosworth you over. and I are just old enough to remember that very well. I remember the poster. My buddy Bobby was a linebacker on our team, and he had, a, he had the, the, Bosworth the, poster. the Wizard of yeah. Boz poster in his room. 303 total scrimmage yards for Josh Jacobs. They've won back-to-back games. There's some talk about how the Raiders have kind of put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And don't look now. If the season ended right now, and I know it doesn't, Seattle's not a playoff team. They're on the outside right. looking in. Big loss for Washington them. Washington took a, every single NFC East team is in right now if the season were to end right now right. because of the commanders win against the I Falcons. Was, I, I think you'll get a kick out of this. They didn't pick up Jacob's 50-year option. I know. I saw that. New management came in and they they didn't pick they it decided up. Decided not to. And now he's like, he's, <laughs> I mean, look at him. This having an he's unbelievable got a, he's year. Eleven hundred yards so far. Five point five yards per rush. Nine touchdowns. And they didn't pick up his fifth year yeah. option. Okay. Uh, you know me. I hate paying running backs. Right. I would have picked up his fifth year option. I would have done that. First round draft pick out of Bama, two thousand nineteen. Did not have his fifth year option picked up by the new general manager Dave Ziegler and the coach Josh McDaniels. He was a Pro Bowl bowler in twenty twenty. He's having an un. Unbelievable year, and he's a free agent. Yeah, but you know what? They can franchise tag him, but you got to pay through the roof. Things could be worse. You could be Russell Wilson. And I'll just leave it at that. Defensive lineman yelling at you. Your team, they're terrible.
Well, you could be Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah. You're going to get in trouble for commenting on. <laughs> when someone's asking for over $250 million guaranteed like Lamar, games like this should not come to the kicker. Let Lamar walk and spend that money on a well-rounded team. Yeah. Lamar responded. Oh, yeah. Boy! With, with words we can't say. Blankety-blank-blank. Blankety-blankety-blank. Blankety, blank. uh, You're a blankety-blankety-blankety-blankety-blank. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, play. he's oh, going to no. get... So. Spicy. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like what I said. The Cardinals will let Chandler Jones walk for nothing. These players always feel a need to respond when somebody says, so you guys could just let the guy go. See, he had a fumble recovery yesterday, by the way. He had, Chandler Jones it was the only thing he did, but he had a fumble recovery. Does he still only have half a sack? Uh, I think so. Wow. I don't know, but I think so. We'll wow. check on that because when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, it's break time. Four o'clock reset time. We're at the midway point of the show. Let's get you caught up on everything going on in sports. We'll do that next here on the Burns and Gambo show.